Hey guys, Hellabass back here with another Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience episode. And this one is another bonus episode of Swapcast. From just a few months back, I did an interview on the Serious Angler podcast with Bailey Eigrit. Uh, I thought it was a really good interview. We covered a lot of ground, kind of gave my backstory on fishing, how I got into it, and my journey through tournaments and all that kind of stuff, and then talk a little bit of other things about MLF and, and bass and several other topics. So I think it's a really good listen. Uh, this is a good sample of the type of content that uh, Bailey does at the Serious Angler. So if you like it, go ahead and check him out. There'll be links in the description. Otherwise, just search Serious Angler in any of your favorite podcast apps, and I'm sure you'll be able to find them. So enjoy the episode. All right. I think we're recording. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another Sears Angler podcast. Uh, today with us, we have uh, Rich Lindgren, otherwise known as Hellabass on, on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. How are we doing tonight, sir? Pretty good. Uh, for a Monday, getting the week started, but uh, excited to talk some bass fish and uh, save off some of the winter that's coming here in Minnesota. So, oh, Heck yeah. I think this is actually my, now you say it's Monday, It's I think it's my first podcast I've done on a Monday, because every other Monday I've had has been absolute madness, but uh, how we start every episode is, you know, your story of how you got into fishing and who got you into it, so if, if you're ready, let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely, so uh, like a lot of people, my, uh, my parents, and specifically my dad, got me into fishing. Uh, they tell stories about having me in my car seat before I was one walleye fishing on Lake of the Woods, just riding along in the boat. And uh, when I was a couple years old, they'd tie a rod to my life jacket and I would take turns fishing in the live well and fishing in the lake. And uh, so that's kind of where it started. And then my dad, as long as I can always remember, was in a, in a, a federation or a Bass Nation bass club. So when I was a kid, uh, once I was old enough, maybe like five, six years old, I started going with him when he practiced for tournaments when they were close. Um, and then as I got older and more into it and was always asking if you can go fishing and then I started going, you know, for longer trips and weekend trips and it got to the point where I was going with on tournament weekends out of town and I would just like fish off the dock while he was fishing the tournament or if somebody had a spare boat, a rowboat or a canoe or like the resort had a little boat, I'd go out fishing in that or if there was a guy that didn't show up or we were shorting a non-boater, then I would like just be an honorary like fishing in the club. So I did all that for a long time until I was like 14 or 15, and they finally let me in the club uh, and fish as a non-boater. So, and that was like way before, and I technically couldn't join until I was 16. So I think it was pretty close to that. I actually tried to fish earlier, but they actually voted against it. I think some of them might have been a little scared about getting beat by a kid, and uh, their egos weren't ready for that. Um, yeah. But uh, that's, and it just kind of kept on going from there. Um, I was like president of that bass club by the time I was a senior in high school and a freshman in college. Um, did that for years and years. As I got into it, I started mixing in uh, team tournaments and BFLs and weekend series tournaments back when we had that. Um, I've always been really active in the in the in the Bass Nation and the Federation tournaments. Um, I kind of missed like the casting for kids. I missed the Junior Bass Masters. I missed the call. Like every time like something started, I was just like it happened right after I got to that age, right? Like I, when I was at University of Wisconsin Stout, they were just starting to have a few bass clubs at like Purdue and Indiana. They weren't like full fledged like big deal like they are now. So, yeah. but yeah, it's always been a passion of mine. It's uh, pretty much the only thing I do, um, you know, balancing work and uh, family. I've given up softball and fantasy sports and, and hunting and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm just focused on fishing and, and, and things related to fishing. So. All right. Is, is it kind of weird for you this time of year when you're seeing orange out in the woods and guys parked on the side of the road and where you're not able to go out in the woods, you just go down your way to the lake? Yeah, not so much. I mean, I, I dare hunted until I was in college. And it basically became a thing where, you know, I only had, you know, two weeks of vacation or three weeks of vacation, you know, when I was younger. And I just could not choose hunting over bass fishing for taking time off from work. So it just kind of, you know, having to prioritize, not be able to do everything all the time made me just kind of, you know, pick my passion. And then it just kind of was a natural thing. So I have nothing against hunting. You know, I, I talked to my buddies are hunters. Um, you know, if I had unlimited time and didn't have the, a job and that kind of stuff, I'm sure I would do a little more hunting. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like it. Fall is like one of my favorite times of year, uh, to go fishing. Cause like the accesses get to be empty. Um, and it's a great time to catch big ones. So, uh, you know, I don't mind it when things get less crowded in the fall. <clears throat> it's kind of crazy. Like, yeah, the, like obviously access and like that, they take out docks and everything, but it's kind of nuts how, 
it, it seems like even to me, there's more people who go out fishing the spring than the fall. And in my mind, I feel like the fall is better than the spring just because they're, they're bigger. You might not have the numbers in, in some cases, but um, I feel like more guys fish the spring than the fall. That might be due to hunting, but uh, I think, uh, do you think there's a reason behind that at all? Yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, less conflicts. Um, there's, you know, college football, pro football, right? I think that takes people away on the weekends. Sure. Uh, hunting season, I think in the spring, it's new and exciting. You've had a break, you know, for at least the most of the country. Like, unless you're really hardcore, uh, a lot of guys are going to miss a couple months of fishing regardless of where you live. Um, <clears throat> I mean, and up here, you're like, if you're not into ice fishing, um, you know, you, you could have five, six months without open water unless you're hardcore. Um, and even with ice fishing, right? Like you have like bad ice and then you have good ice and then you have bad ice again. So you still like, uh, and, and I think where you've lived in New York, there's seasons. So it kind of, mm-hmm. it makes it all nutty and it kind of makes that like this precious thing to get out in the spring. And, and I love it. And it's, you got the, the, the itch and the bug to get out in the yeah. spring. Um, and I love fishing, you know, dabbling with the spawn and that kind of stuff as well. But, uh, yeah, my absolute favorite time of year is, is fall fishing for sure. Nice. And it's, this is probably the, the first fall where I've, cause I, being in Indiana, I haven't been able to hunt cause I, I brought my car here. So I'm not actually like able to, um, you know, obviously can't put a deer in a car. Um, but I've done when <laughs> I was at stuff, <laughs> I saw guys. Fun. <laughs> hanging and skinning their deer in their dorm rooms at Wisconsin style. Oh my gosh. I'm <laughs> to see that. <laughs> I guess it can be done. Um, but yeah, it's just been honed in on fishing. I mean, I've been working a lot, but honed in on just fishing. And it's kind of crazy the different things you see as seasons go on as, you know, in different areas. But um, it's funny how you say like how pro football, college football affects, you know, fishing on the weekends. But you see, uh, I don't know the exact model, but Lawrence has like a new graph where you can watch television on it now mm-hmm. or you can stream on it. Uh, I saw some guy post on Instagram where he had his right graph where she was had the, the sides game and then the left had uh, the football and had like a Georgia game on it or something like that. But I guess now you can, some guys will be able to go out, take out the money and watch football and get on some fish. But uh, so tournament fishing wise, you talked about getting into it, what, what you said, 14, 15 years old. Yeah, that's when I kind of started as kind of just fishing as an on-boater in clubs. Um, <clears throat> probably fished my first money tournaments when I was maybe like 17, uh, like Fishers of Men or something like that around local uh, with my dad. Um, but I've always been fishing the club stuff. I think I've fished, I've qualified for every like state tournament through the Federation in Minnesota since I was like uh, 18, 17, or probably 16 or 17, but I was always skip it uh for football high school football always overlapped and then so once i got into college i started fishing the state tournaments every year and then made a lot of divisional teams and i actually made it to the the bass nation nationals one time so i got within one step of the Bassmaster classic one time that was a really cool experience and i'm on one of those paths again and uh, hoping to get back there soon it, it makes you hungry once you've been there and, and kind of been that close to tasting it for sure oh my god <clears throat> that's got to be like a feeling like you're ju- like you're just almost there like you're about to touch it but it's just that's that's gotta leave like a bad taste when you don't make it. So I could see why you just kind of keep clawing your way back. It was a long, long ride home from Louisiana, having to to, to mull that over and swallow that pill and think about all the decisions you could have been and what you could have done. Uh, it was actually kind of cool. It was actually the, the Paul Mueller won that event. Oh wow! Um, and that was that's what got him into the elites and which has kind of jump started his career. So um, it's a lot of cool. You know, you know. A lot of people don't know that, but there's a lot of guys that get their start, you know, like Iconelli and Mueller and Paul mm-hmm. Nick, all those guys came up and really got, I mean, they've, they're excellent fishermen, but they, they took that grassroots path and uh, took their shots and, and kind of got it. And once they got it, they, they ran with it. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, well, you know, those long rides home where you kind of think about things and you, you kind of beat yourself up almost. I think while those times suck, I think it could also be some of the times that you develop yourself the most as an angler, because mentally you're sitting there, you're go, you're running through your course, and while yeah, you're kind of thinking negative, you're also thinking what could I have done better, and it almost if you take it the right way, it kind of trains you for when you're in that situation again, you can kind of slow down, stop, and think. All right, last time when this same situation happened, I did this, it didn't work. What should I be doing this time? I think that sometimes, like, after you're out 
like you're off the water, that could be some of the best, you know, learning development uh, as an angler, at least in my mind. I know that's when I get my my most efficient learning in is after I'm on the water and realize, wow, I was an idiot, should have done this. All right, I sh- definitely should have done that. I don't know why I didn't think of it. Uh, do, do you kind of relate in that sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think you, there's a balance. I mean, you need to take that time to reflect. You have to kind of learn from what you did. And then you have to be able to, like, use it as fuel, but you can't let it, like, eat away at you, right? Like, you have to put the bad behind you. You have to take the positives, the learning moments, and you have to move forward with it. You can't you can't dwell on it and let it kind of impede you going forward. So uh, there's a balance, and it's kind of a process. It's like grieving, right? Like, you have to work through it. And uh, depending on when your next event is, you may have to work a little faster. Um, but uh, that's all part of the fun of tournament fishing for me. So Yeah. And, and when you kind of have those moments in the water where you don't know – you know what you should be doing i know some guys will i know like i can always talked about how when he's feels stumped he feels frustrated he's not getting the bites he just goes back to the basics but then there's also guys that will say they'll just go find a random bait in the box that they haven't thrown in a long time and just start throwing it do you have like a certain system when you're kind of stumped out on the water where you don't know what's working what's not like that you resort to to try to get back on track yeah, I mean, it all depends on the lake and the system and, and where you're at, right? Like, is it, is it a body of water you know or you don't know? But for me, in general, I feel like I'm going to I'm gonna rely on a strength, right? Unless I have a really strong feeling or, or, or something that suggests that I need to be doing something else, uh, condition-wise or something, if all else fails, I'm going to, like, pick up a strength. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to fish shallow with a jig or or something like that something that i feel comfortable or at least that i have a ton of confidence that if i keep this bait in my hand and i get around the fish then i should be able to generate some bites it may not be the absolute best thing uh, at the time but i think it's important to have something in your hand that you feel confident with uh that you can lean on and uh, you know and, and rely on a strength when when all else fails is a pretty good uh you know kind of thing to to go with and there's different methods i hear some people say hey you know I was on the lower end. Things weren't happening. I, I just pulled up and I just ran all the way up the river and went fishing, right? Like I just got to get, I went to a new Creek. I just kind of like scratched it and kind of reset. And, and I've heard that can work too. Um, so it all depends on what works for you as an angler. And that's something you just need to figure out uh, if, if you want to get in the tournament angler, whether it's, a, you know, boating angling or kayak angling, you kind of need to figure out what works for you, uh, try different things and, and then uh, go with it. Yeah, definitely. I think, it, especially as a tournament angler, so much of it is mental than people realize. Because, uh, I mean, tournament fishing, while, yes, you can be talented, you can have all the great stuff, it, decision, it all comes down to decision-making. And if you can't make the right decisions, you're, that's not what's going to put you in the money. It's, you know, it's having that, you know, instinct, that just knowledge of knowing where to go, what to move, what to throw, when. There's so many different moving parts to it, especially you know as an angler. It's, it's very rarely when you can sit on one spot all day long and be on them. So you're, you're always kind of you're moving in a sense. But we all know guys that catch them in practice, and they catch them when you're fun fishing with them. But when they're in the tournament, they never quite get the results that they want, and and that's exactly what that that comes down to. Uh, you know, it's just like the guys that can hit you know free throws, right? The, the world record free throw guys. Like if they can just stand there at a free throw and shoot all day, but you put them in a game situation, they can't hit the broadside of a barn. So um, it's, it's yep. that's what makes I it sh- fun. Sh- well, that was what makes tournament fishing for some people, and some people they can't do it because it just drives them crazy and they they can't handle it. Like, they did, you know, it's not relaxing. It's not fun for them anymore when they when they make it a competition. So yeah, some people just need that fuel. They need that kind of. You know, when you're at blast off, that adrenaline's going, and you're kind of just like, it's almost like a bliss feeling of like, you just you kind of don't get it anywhere. It's kind of like you're you're sitting there in the net, like, you say for football, like you're sitting there in the national anthem, game's about to start. It's almost that kind of feeling. Some people just just live for that, and that's just the thing. It's a big thing about at least tournament anglers. But uh, it's kind of kind of getting off of that. But when did you kind of start doing the YouTube? Yeah, I I kind of started a while back before it was like really cool. <clears throat> I've got some like pretty good videos that were done with like pretty bad equipment that are probably I don't know <clears throat> eight to ten years ago. Like I don't know if you know who Josh Douglas is, but him and I are pretty good friends, and we've got some like old videos when we had like these opening day challenges and things like that, and we used to go out and record each other with these tiny little Memrex like terribles, <laughs> like before smartphones had good cameras and like. <clears throat> and it was pretty good i did that along with my blog for a long time 
Um, and, and, and for a while there, I was blogging like once or twice or three times a week. And I just, for some reason, I kind of got away for a while work and, and kids and all that stuff kind of got busy. And, uh, I kind of today wish I would have stuck with it. Cause I think it would have been a lot easier to keep that momentum than start kind of over. Um, but this year I kind of rededicated myself to it starting back, uh, in like April when I went down to Gunnersville for the, the central divisional for the, the Bass Nation. And I pretty much stuck to a one video a week at least schedule since then. And it's been a lot of fun and, and I can, you know, I'm committed to, to, to do this and make this work even through the winter. And I've been kind of prepping things in the garage here, getting the lighting right. Cause this is going to be some of my studio for, uh, for the winter sitting here in the boat, uh, my wall of tackle. I, I was like reorganizing stuff um, while we were waiting to jump on the call. So uh, yeah, I'm committed, uh, looking to do more things like this with you, do more collaborations with other YouTube videos, uh, other creators. Uh, I'm really into it. I've always enjoyed it. I kind of wish I wouldn't have stopped. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot, lot more good things to come uh, there. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to keep moving with that. Yeah, yeah. what, uh, 1.62, I think it was, I saw when I looked it up? Subscribers? Yeah, I think yes. I'm like maybe 12 or 1,300 or something like that. So um it's growing it back up i had a decent base but i think a lot of those are kind of dead old subscribers <laughs> um but uh so yeah and uh and, and from and my angle on youtube is you know ever since i've been in club fishing or fishing pro-ams or fishing with buddies i've always wanted to help people catch more bass right i want to you know i'm not just going to sit up in the front of the boat and watch them struggle i want to let them know what, at least what i think they should be doing what they could do better what baits they could try they should slow down they should speed up they need to be more accurate like i want to help people catch more bass and so i really try to have that as a component uh, of all my videos so yeah i mean if you want to watch a bunch of stuff about people trying to catch fish on hot dogs or some weird lure challenges and and things like that that's i'm probably not the channel i'm probably not going to shoot things and blow things up i mean we're going to have some fun and we're going to catch some big bass uh, but we're going to learn some stuff along the way, and that's going to be a component of it for sure. You know, I mean, and I'm not knocking uh, some of the other stuff, but that's just not going to be my genre for YouTube. There's a place for everybody, and you know, maybe mine's not <clears throat> quite as fun or as clicky as some of the others. But uh, I mean, that's staying true to myself. That's what motivates me, and that's what I want to do uh, with my channel. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, and not everybody can you know pump out the same content and be passionate about it. It's the way I kind of I mean. I've been doing mine for four years and I am by no means like going after it for the fame. As you can tell, I'm only at 260 subs. I'm more doing it as I like to record. I like to go back and see different things and learn from it, but also attacking it in a very similar sense to you is just kind of trying to be informational, kind of trying to show people like this works here. This is how I attack something. This is why I thought to attack it. Mm -hmm. Just hoping that, you know, while I'm also kind of keeping a nice, you know, memory data for myself to learn from, maybe it'll help, you know, a few other people learn along the way and maybe uh, hopefully give some entertainment and not make a huge fool of myself. So <laughs> it's fun. That's one thing I like about these podcasts too, is I can get different people on and not only my learning from it and when I share it, other people can learn from it. And then also not in like, we'll learn from you, but also people are going to learn about you and hopefully that'll help, you know, highlight you a little bit more. Um, that's why I kind of why I started this because I was scrolling through Instagram and I was following a bunch of different different uh, accounts and I was thinking like well, these guys post amazing stuff but that and like same level stuff as some of the guys who are on the top of the YouTube game and they're just not getting the recognition that they deserve and like they're a bunch of these guys are down to earth helping other people out and I'm like there needs to be some kind of platform to help highlight these guys because they're just they're getting scrolled over all like you know every day because of these top guys are just kind of attracting everyone. So mm -hmm. hope is to grow this podcast so that mm -hmm. you know, attract more and more people to it. So yeah. I, I definitely can relate in that sense. I, re I really like the idea what you have because I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think as you grow and you can work with each one of your guests, you can kind of feed off each other and kind of cross promote and build. So I think I think there's a lot of potential. I think uh, uh, it's it's a really great idea, and I, you seem passionate about it. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think you, you hit on a key thing for me is like I do, you know, some of my stuff's fun fishing. Some of it's like tips and tactics, some of it's education. Um, but I do like try to record uh, all my tournaments. Right. And so practice, uh, practice recaps, tournament recaps. And there's something about, like you said, going back through the footage, seeing mm -hmm. what you did, telling that story to your audience that helps you 
make the process. And like when I feel like once I complete that video and I post it out, like that's behind me. Whether I won and smashed 25 pounds and, and blew away the field or whether I barely caught any fish and like went home with my tail between the legs. Once that video's up, once that recap's done, it's over, right? It's like kind of like, you know, like uh, the NFL, right? Like, you you know, you celebrate Monday and you're back to work Tuesday and that's all behind you. It's like, you know, every every game is one week, one season. And I used to do that with my blog. Uh, and I do a little bit of the blog, but the blog's now more to support the YouTube channel because I just feel like that's the uh, the place to be right now. <clears throat> um, I, I, I do enjoy writing and I will continue to do some of that, but I just don't think like today's generation, their attention span is not, you know, the blog is not the long-term way to to communicate. It's not the right medium uh, to, to share what I want to share. I will use it to some degree, but, I, you know, Instagram and and uh, and YouTube are the way to go. And I, I'm not quite ready to drink, jump on the TikTok bandwagon yet, um, but uh, <laughs> I haven't quite figured that out or if that's a place to be or not. But, it, you know, they're, they're raving about it. But uh, so, but yeah, it's all part of the process. And, and I think, for the true hardcore bass anglers out there, which is kind of, or the people that want to become, uh, you know, more hardcore, I mean, that's kind of the audience I'm going for. And I think if you really pay attention to these tournament videos, whether it's mine or somebody else's, there's a lot to learn if you're patient enough to like pay attention to the decisions they're making and what they're doing. Um, that's the kind of stuff that's the real like nitty gritty stuff that's going to make you a better angler. And it's like sitting down and watching Bass Live or FLW Live you know, for a couple hours at a time and really see what they're doing, not just the fish catches, the decisions, mm -hmm. the baits, what they're doing, whether they stay, whether they go. To me, that is the stuff that I like, I eat up, right? And, and I know that's not for everybody. Some people like like MLF and they want to see like 100 fish catches and like, you know, just <laughs> fish catch, cut, fish catch. And that, that's fun for a little bit, but that, that doesn't engage me for that long, to be honest, so. Yeah, I, I think, well, I could... I could definitely sit and watch all day people catching fish. I also exactly relate what you're saying that, you know, watching people without just the fish catching is where you can learn some of the most. Like while fish watching fish get caught, yes, it's fun, but you really don't learn anything watching them catch the fish. But like it's the prelude up into the fish catches where you learn everything from. And uh, I'm going to have to find it. Uh, see, my parents still have the picture. They have a picture of me sitting on the couch with a notepad watching the, back when Bassmasters was on uh, the Outdoor Network back on TV. TNN. Sitting there writing, writing notes, looking up glue to the TV, watching guys, uh, you know, fish and whatnot. But it's it, – it, people kind of complain about, you know, things getting streamed and what they want to see and whatnot. But I think showing fish catcher regardless, you, you know, you can learn so much just from watching a guy and how he picks apart – especially the pros and how they pick apart a certain body of water. So it's yeah. interesting. And there's, and there's a, there's a place for all of it. Right. And it's just, mm -hmm. uh, there's different audiences and it's, it's no different than, you know, the, you know, soccer or the NFL or baseball, right. There's different audiences and the people that just, you know, would rather watch a home run derby or they'd rather watch, you know, a, a pitcher's duel in baseball, right. There's different, uh, it, it just appeals to different audiences and some of them are the majority and some of the minority. And, uh, but you know, it, that's the, that's the game. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting kind of when you dwell into demographics and what videos attract who, and you kind of, if you look into like your, your Twitter, your YouTube analytics and you see what attracts who and when, and how certain posts, certain times of the day of the week kind of attract whomever, but it's kind of interesting. Like you mentioned TikTok. Like that's like the young generation right now with all those kids making weird videos of themselves. And uh, then you have like accounts like yours and like Mikey Balls and like Gene, where they're not massive, but they're informational, and that's attracting the dedicated the dedicated angler. Um, and then you have like your Guggen Squad, where they'll they'll catch fish, but they're gonna you're gonna make some wacky videos of doing dumb stuff. And that's where you get like a younger generation where of kids who just like to see people do dumb stuff. Um, it's everybody has their own niche and it's kind of cool in that sense. Which but, is, and, and you know, there's, that's still great. Like I don't want to like undermine, and I think what the Googans are doing and those types of channels are really great because they are probably reaching and exposing to a group of young generation of anglers that may or may not have gotten interested in fishing without that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, if if you know 
a small percentage of those people that watch it for the entertainment end up staying hooked on fishing for their life. That's great for our industry. That's going to pipe more dollars into kids, you know, buying baits, uh, buying fishing licenses, someday buying boats, um, supporting this industry uh, to hopefully, you know, maybe make tournaments so it's a little more profitable uh, for pros where they're not living on, you know, you know, fishing for each other's entry fees. So, yep. uh, I mean, it, it, it's all part of one thing that we just, you know, we want to grow the sport and we all have our different voice and our different angle. Um, and uh, I think it's all important, to be honest. <clears throat> Yeah, and I mean, I'll be completely blunt here. And how I've I've heard a lot of people trash, you know, the Guggen Squad and what they're doing, how they're putting. So I've heard I've I've heard some people say how they put give a bad name to fishing, but um, and personally, I would never use Guggen Bait just because I know there's other brands that I've I've been loyal to, and it's mm-hmm. that plain and simple. Um, but if when you look at the videos and what they make, yes, they're a bunch of clowns, but it's funny, and they're they're a bunch of good guys. But the the amount of people that I can't even imagine are they are tr- attracting to the sport, and how much they're showing how fishing is enjoyable and how different like in different ways you can have fun with fishing and getting outside, and hopefully once they're not you know once they're done glued to their phone watching their videos they get outside and do such things, but it, it's they're attracting an I can't even fathom the amount of of younger gener of the younger generation to that sport and it's like exactly what you said it's it's doing great things financially for the backing of the sport it's bringing more people to the sport it's bringing a greater appreciation to fishing and not only is that good for you know the the industry like uh production wise but also it's good if if more people are going out and fishing that's bringing more money to the management and the wildlife services of the state and that's bettering the lakes and whatnot more people are buying licenses it's it's good overall. I think I think any account that shows fishing and or hunting, whatever it may be in the outdoors, in a positive light, is is a beneficial uh, beneficial service because it's going to attract at least one person, you know, to to that that whatever activity it may be. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd much rather my kids watch some kind of silly fishing camping outdoors video than some like. 10 second challenge or how to make slime or like all the other stuff that's on YouTube that is ridiculous and not related to the outdoors. So yeah, yeah let's, let's make fun and have fun and at least get outside and do something. Right. So uh, I'm all for it in that respect. It's not, it's not going to be what I'm going to do, but Hey, hopefully uh, a little bit runs over their cup and some of those uh, young anglers take the next step and uh, want to follow me someday and, and, or somebody else like, uh, you know, uh, like Gene or, or any of those guys or like Scott Martin's a nice, I mean, he does, he does a great job of doing both. He does a little bit of wacky stuff and he, he shares a ton of knowledge. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I think uh, it's a great medium and, you know, whether it stays YouTube, but I think that's just the way we're going to share information, going to learn. There's just not, uh, you know, Mike Iconelli's, you know, uh, Fishing on the Edge was a great book when I was young, but I don't know how many people are going to pick up that book anymore and read it. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I kind of think like you interviewing people like this is going to tell some of those stories that are similar to what somebody might have read in a book or a journal or a blog back in the day. And this is kind of the yep. new medium to get some of that. So I, I kind of like that a lot. So, yeah. And I can kind of relate to that. Cause I you know you mentioned his book, but a lot of uh, like when I go on long road trips and I'm driving for a while, I, I turn on the Bass university or the Ike live show, uh, different things like that. Like I know there's a kayak, uh, Legion podcast, different stuff like that. I listen to, and I know the podcast community is not huge, but it's, it's kind of revolutionizing, you know, who are the readers, I guess, uh, in a sense, where now they're going to go to maybe a podcast or uh, an ebook or something like that. But you, know, you bring up Scott Martin, talk about a guy who has fun with about just about everything he does. It seems like he's always joking around, trying to make some fun of, of something. Even even if he's in the, the heart of a tournament, it seems like he tries to at least joke about something. Yeah, even if he's absolutely. Lost. Yeah, and I, and I love podcasts too. That's like, uh, you know, if I'm not on the phone talking to somebody, yeah. I listen to a little bit of local sports radio, but, uh, you know, long drives, I mean, podcasts, yeah, whether it's Bass Talk Live or uh, a bunch of different, you know, podcasts, uh, and some of them are more entertainment and some are more serious. And, uh, you know, Bass University is like facts and like real, and then Ike Live is kind of a blend of that. And so there's a lot of different stuff. And uh, I like to get to know the personalities and stay up with the industry of tournament fishing and uh, podcasts is a great way to do that. So. I think the Ike Live show is on tonight with Scott Martin, actually. So it's, yeah, 
hopefully I'll tune in after after this and hopefully learn a few things. But uh, yeah, and he actually uh, interviewed with uh, Luke Duncan on the uh, Low Budget Live, Not So Live, which is a, a video show and a podcast kind of like yours, which is pretty good. So he was on there today as well. So yeah, that's a uh, uh, Luke Duncan is one of the ones I, I like to watch. The Traveling Circus, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, um. So kind of talking more about the the pro level for fishing and tournament fishing. Um, you don't need to give your opinion on the, each of the leagues. I won't, I mean, if you, you're more than willing to, <laughs> it's up to you if you want to give your opinion, but I was just, I'm more curious on, cause you have a, a better knowledge base than I do um, looking at the professional level, but what do you see moving forward happening to Bass and FLW MLF? What do you, what do you see going on there? Yeah. Without, I mean, it's really hard to speculate from the outside without really knowing how much money uh, MLF slash FLW is making slash spending slash not making. Mm -hmm. Clearly they have some huge financial backing uh, behind them. So they can pour a lot of money into this, which is great, right? We're getting, the sport of bass fishing is getting more exposure right now than it ever has, right? Um, so that's great. Now, whether they are going to bring in those non-endemic sponsors to offset that and turn that into a profitable model where the anglers can fish uh, for not entry fees, right? I mean, they, they did not pay entry fees this year, which is awesome, right? I mean, like, <clears throat> for bass fishing to be, like, a true, true, legitimate professional sport, we shouldn't be fishing for each other's uh, entry fees at the top level, right? And, and that's just, it's not the way it's been until, you know, literally this is the first year um, that that's happened with MLF, and that's, that's awesome. Um, so... And, you know, they believe they're reaching a new audience. They believe they're getting to the wives. They're getting to different, uh, more casual anglers, a different type of anglers, maybe people that are even non-anglers that watch the sport. Uh, I hope that's true, honestly. I, I don't have the data. I don't know what they're seeing. Uh, hopefully it is. For me personally, I love what they're doing from that perspective. I don't particularly love watching that style. It's actually pretty fun to fish. I've, I've fished some classic bass events here, uh, tour events in Minnesota, which run in that format. It is a lot of fun. It is a lot different. Um, there's pluses and minuses to it both ways. But to me, the way their live coverage is okay when they're on a good lake. I really liked watching it when they were in North Carolina on like Jordan and Sharon Harris and those kind of lakes. That was a lot of fun. But when they went to Table Rock twice in the same season, I, I couldn't watch it. It was just, it was yeah. so boring to watch them catch 13 inch spots over and over again and then when they came to like wisconsin and fished waters that i fished tournaments on and a pound fish is scorable and based on everything i would ever done you'd have to throw those back because they weren't 14 inches like when edwin evers blew out the red crests yeah got all those fish almost none of them were keepers like legal state 14 inch minimum keepers or even if they were he would have had like a seven or eight pound bag which would have been terrible on the river in a championship event. So oh. it, it's, and, it, and that's part of it as a traditional tournament angler that's fished five fish all his life. And I have fished some of the other, it's just, it's not that appealing to me. It is fun fish, but it's not, it, it can be fun when you're fishing it. And it's, and it does take skill to do that. I'm not knocking it, but it's different. And it's not something that I appreciate as much when I watch it, it will be really interesting to see because they're switching their schedule to really go to like big bass lakes but it's going to be really disappointing if I watch them on Lake Fork and all these other mega fisheries. And there's a good chance list that somebody drop shot in 12 to 14 inch fish or fishing a shaky head blows away the event. That's kind of disappointing to me, right? <laughs> Cause I'd much rather watch the bass fast on Lake Fork where Brandon Cobb like was catching 30 pounds a day. That, that, that is way more interesting to me uh as an angler now that may not be everybody and maybe not the masses and hopefully they are reaching new households and i think in the end there's going to be some hybrid and I, I hope to see them try some different things with some two pound limits or maybe a 15 pound max limit and and try some of those things yeah yeah talking about brandon cobb was it 11 pounds on a jerk bait on, on fork something like that or something crazy but he just got that one on a, a, a he sight fished the 11 pounder but he did have like some the nine pounders on a jerk bait <clears throat> and top waters and things like that i couldn't imagine a, even even a seven or eight on a jerk bait it has to be an absolute blast just how i feel that gets smacked uh especially as like a northern fisherman where we fish jerk baits like a good amount of time out of the year at least my at least for me 
uh, going after smallmouth and whatnot. But uh, it, it's going to be really interesting. I think there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of speculation as to which one's going to do better and uh, which one's going to, you know, be more uh, successful. But I think it, it's it's going to come down to they just got to fish, and then at the end of it, that's when your the results are going to show. But yeah. I think you have. You definitely have a common divide of people who just want to see a lot of fish caught, and then you have guys who are like, "Yeah, I don't care. I just want to see guys bring out big five across the stage." So it's yeah, it's gonna and, be interesting. And I spend more. I mean, you're probably like me a little bit. You're you're already the people that are in my circle, right? The people yeah. I talk to, they tend to agree with that or me, <laughs> and I'm not necessarily reaching out and polling new audiences. So. Um, yeah, the traditional crowd, but maybe that's not the market they're going for, and, and hopefully it's not, and hopefully they're growing the sport. Um, I think bass, like, kind of embraced and survived the haymaker that was MLF last year, and I think they have proven that their brand and their image is super strong, and uh, they're going to rebuild and retool, and their angler field is going to get back up to where it, where it will rival MLF again, I believe. Um you're already seeing uh, some new stars emerge. Uh, guys like Patrick Walter, Seth Fighter has continued to be more of a popular. Chris Saldane. There's a lot of good anglers. There's some more guys that aren't household names. We've got guys coming up through the Opens. you got guys like Scott Martin and Andrew Upshaw and Bradley Hallman and uh, Randy Blockett and a lot of guys that are leaving what is now what used to be the FLO Tour, which is now the FLW Circuit. Does that sound right? Oh, yeah. um, w Pro Circuit. Pro yeah. Circuit. Uh, so there's a lot of guys leaving that to fish the Opens to make the Elite. So uh, it, it, it appears that there's a general consensus among like that tournament anglers that now that FLW Pro Circuit has become more equal to the Opens, more of a AAA circuit. Whether that's true or not, that is the perception within the tournament community at this point. Um, and so I'm excited to see a lot of these guys make the jump. Um, be interesting to see what guys like Thrift and Dudley haven't really said anything. There's a couple other big names like those guys. Uh, not sure what they're going to do. Um, whether they're going to stick with FLW and try to make the BPT um, or fish both. Um, I think like Josh Douglas, who made the cup this year and had a top 10 at the cup. Uh, I think he's going to continue to fish the FLW Pro Circuit and the Eastern Open. So I think he's kind of trying to play both. Uh, maybe ride the middle, not overcommit one or the other. Um, so it'll be interesting. And I, I kind of feel from an outside, and this is just my assumption or my, I think that they naturally, I, I don't know if MLF wants this to happen, but I kind of feel like they do. They're basically trying to like shrink the FLW down. Uh, I don't think they want to have 150 anglers. I think they want to make this a little bit smaller, get it down to be like 70, 80. I don't know if they are just trying to do that or they want to actually like make it disappear. Then like, it'll just go from coasts to BPT. I'm not sure, but I definitely see like they're trying to guide this down a path to make it different than it was. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I think if you really just want to like fish for money, I think fishing two or three of the coasts or the FLW series is probably the most profitable thing you could do because you can, for most of the country, you can fish close to home and fish like two or three circuits. Uh, you know, keeping your expenses down, moderate expenses with pretty good payouts. I think. Like there is some opportunity to like fish at that level and make some good money for an angler uh, that hasn't been around. So that's kind of excited. Uh, us in the Midwest got a little bit slighted. <clears throat> There's no like no trips to lacrosse. There's no trips to to anywhere uh, really near Minnesota, Wisconsin, in that area. But I I hope this model works for them where they fill all was it eight divisions of the Costas and they like you know New York the Northeast crushes it and the and the Mid Atlantic crushes and the South crushes and the Southeast. To the point where that model works for them, where then they do think, hey, we let's let's get a Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana division, right? Like, yeah. and fill that gap, and maybe fill some other gaps, and really like make it where a guy that is a weekend angler, a guy that works forty hours a week, that has three or four weeks of vacation, could step up and really give that a serious run without really spending a ton of money on travel, and kind of no matter where they live. Uh, and, and kind of take that step. So that I really like. Uh, they lowered the fees and the entry fees and the BFLs, which is cool. I'd like to get back to fishing more of those again if time allows. Um, I'm all about fishing things that you can move up or qualify for championships. That's always been more attractive to me than uh, team tournaments. So, yeah. 
that was a lot of rambling. So <laughs> uh, no, it was it was actually pretty it was insightful to listen to that because it's you kind of learn a thing or two and you kind of you kind of get get a feel of a perspective on you know what's what's going on what's going to happen you kind of it's good to bounce your own ideas off of somebody else and kind of help each other build a better sense of what could come um and i think it's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens and i think as this past year has has gone on i think most of us know unless you're really you know you're behind the scenes working for one of these leagues you don't know what's going on until they post about it um cuz i know there's isn't there like another another professional bass fishing league or something that's trying to yeah the national professional fishing league yeah, something like yeah something. and that, that's that's we'll start for the year or two um but yeah they're five thousand dollar entry fees six tournaments a year 30 grand like it's still big money um you know it's it's an expensive sport and they're still fishing for each other's entry fees so um not sure if there's room for that i guess we'll find out yeah. i don't know if that really grows the sport or gets new people in or not or if that's just like more opportunity for like open anglers to like lump on top of what they're already doing. And maybe, maybe it provides an extra platform for those people that are like triple a to maybe make a living or be successful and then get on a run and then create a bankroll that they would allow them to then move up to the elites or the, you know, the FLW or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, time will tell on that, but, uh, yeah, my my only worry with all of these different leagues popping up is kind of oversaturating, right? You know, Watering everything down. Exactly, and it's it would it would not that I'm against it. It's just it would just suck to see you know one of the leagues crash or just something going wrong just because there's too much opportunity out there that one of them just can't afford to you know stay operative. It's I don't know. It, time is going to tell. No one is no definitive answer at this point. Um, well. And it, it sucks when you have to choose between FLW and Bass Live or you have to choose between Elites and MLF. Right? You just can't it, – it's better when they don't overlap and you can have all the eyeballs on them. And, and uh, so, yeah, I just – and they're going to be kind of a streaming-only live coverage. And so, you know, if they're smart, I think they have to avoid being on top of the other ones because I, I don't think they're going to win, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, at least across the – you know, on a large scale without it. So, yeah, I think they're definitely just hurting themselves if they try to schedule each other on overlapping tournament days. It's because yeah. yeah, you might steal some people from the other one, but you're definitely still going to lose some people to the other. So yeah, it just makes more sense. It creates more opportunity for for everybody just to go watch one. So. Yeah, unless it just helps push us to a place where not more non-endemics get in, right? And then I mean, if we get more outside non-fishing industry sponsor dollars, then there's there's more room for a ton of platforms because entry fees will go down, more people can participate, um, and that kind of stuff. I did see, this is kind of interesting, kind of off-topic, kind of related. Uh, Monster Energy Drinks just signed a deal with ABA Bass Circuit today. They announced that. I saw a press release on uh, social media, which I think is really cool because that is like a genre of non-endemic that I feel like, why haven't they been involved, right? Like, yeah. How, which one of your buddies don't drink Red Bulls and Monsters and that kind of stuff on their way to the tournament or keep a couple in the cooler or, you know what I mean? Like, or when you're driving home from a long day uh, or traveling, like, energy drinks make bass fishing go around, right? So whether it's sports drinks or energy drinks, <laughs> I feel like that's a natural fit to uh, with the fishing industry. So that's a great nominee. I just see that as like, a step, like hey, that's great. Let's, let's get Monster here and get Red Bull here and get Powerade here and, right, like, uh, that yeah. we're like, they're huge target market i think more so than probably actual athletes <laughs> yeah i i could totally see like um i don't know even what a popular coffee company but like a folgers or something kind of like a coffee sponsor something yeah, like folgers that was... used to be a sponsor of the flw tour uh, scott oh, okay. Sox had folgers uh, there was a team deal for folgers back in the day when they kind of made their big push with walmart for non-endemic so yeah i mean and maybe not Folgers, but even just like there's, God, I mean, they're like all these. I, I hate coffee, but <laughs> um, but like there's all these like coffee internet companies and like you know bean growers and like it would be a great platform for them, right? Like all these K cups and traveling and all. This. I mean, there's, it seems like a great opportunity, right? Yeah, and then you look at um, I think Jason Lambert just kind of took a, a a page out of Poundix book and went and got an RV that they sold their house, got an RV, and now you see RV companies and travel companies getting involved with 
with athletes or not athletes, but like the anglers at least. It's kind of interesting when you kind of sit down and think for a while how many different sponsors could play a part in bass fishing and kind of help it grow and at least make life easier on the anglers because it's not an easy lifestyle. It's a fun lifestyle, but it's not an easy one. Absolutely. You got to budget well. You're you're on the road. I mean, you can't. It's like it's pretty difficult to live a very like a very healthy lifestyle, at least per se. Um, if you're dedicated enough, you could you could definitely do it. It's just a lot of guys. You know, when you go through all that work and that prep, and at the end of the day, you only have a little bit limited amount of time. You don't have, you don't want to sit down and make take thirty minutes to make a meal. Yeah, when there's McDonald's right there, you know it's yeah, it's kind of takes planning and preparation uh, to yeah. to execute it on a uh, to eat healthy and not spend a ton of money. It requires planning and preparation for sure. Yeah, and a lot of diligence and kind of just self determination in that. It's willpower. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I won't go buy that Taco Bell. I have this fruit over here, and I don't know. it's 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 interesting, but uh. Yeah, kind of moving forward. Do you have any? You know, obviously you have tournaments coming up, and you're you've been diligent in your your efforts with YouTube. Is there any future big plans coming up, or are you just kind of keeping up with the the same pace you're going at right now? Yeah, kind of the same thing. I mean, trying to to grow the audience. Uh, you know, uh, hella bass on Instagram and and uh, Twitter and and YouTube and all that stuff. Um, and uh, just tr- trying to keep pace and kind of grow things. Uh, do more collaborations, bring more tips. Uh, this winter will be probably more tips and tactics, but I do got some some footage in the archive in the can, I guess you could say, to, to to mix in some fishing. I hope to get my boat out at least once or twice more, do some winter fishing that might be kind of cool to see, like fishing the Mississippi River in in snow. Uh, maybe Black Friday that might happen. <laughs> so we'll see. But otherwise, I'll be working on the garage here. Give you a little like, let's see this here. I'm trying to go too fast, but there's kind of my wall, and I'm, we're sitting in the boat. There's kind of a mess down here. We're prepping tackle. Um, so right. lots of winter projects to get ready for next tournament season. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's just, uh, yeah, I want to keep going and uh, hope to do some more collaborations with some people. Um, I do do some uh, fantasy fishing podcasts, kind of like shows uh, that I do with Bassmaster uh, for that. So if you guys are into fantasy fishing, check that out. That's a fun way to, to keep in touch with the uh, – the anglers in the sport, uh, I think it's a fun way to keep up with, with how things are going. And it doesn't cost anything, and you, you can win stuff. So I encourage people to check out Fantasy Fishing. And I hope some of the other leagues, like FLW, used to have it. So I'm hoping MLF or somebody brings that back uh, so there's more to do in that space as well. Yeah, definitely. It creates more opportunities for fans and people to engage into you know, that. And it, it, it brings more initiative to maybe watch the, the lives. So it's Right. It's, it gives you, I mean, it's just like – how many people do you know weren't into football until they played fantasy football, right? Like they didn't watch sure. it and now they just want to see how their players are doing. So the same thing is like, you can check into bassmaster.com or check in live and see how your team's doing. Um, so I, I think it's good. It's good for everybody. It doesn't take much time. I mean, you can fill out a roster in five minutes per week. So it's, yeah. it's not a big time commitment. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's something I've done a few times, but it always just kind of slips my mind. I'm like, Oh, there's a tournament coming up and I watch all like the preludes too. I'm like, oh crap, crap about fantasy. So well, that's I think why you can market it a little bit better. I think you subscribe to my channel and hit the notification button. And then when my video comes out, that's your reminder to fill out your team. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, kind of moving forward, we had a pretty good uh, informative discussion. I think a very insightful discussion about, you know, professional fishing, tournament fishing, and uh, kind of getting more into more like less informational but more fun questions um if you had to pick one lake to fish for the rest of your life what would you choose Mm. well i've always thought about like i'll give you a couple i'll give you two answers one like in minnesota and then i'll give you one maybe more across country because now i think about it like i've always thought like where would i want a house in minnesota and i'd be like well it has to be a lake that largies and smallies in it like Uh pretty good size but not like too big um, so I always like Lake Pokegama, which, uh, has a great population of both smallmouth and largemouth and has a lot of like deep, clean water and you can go up the river and fish shallow. Um, I think a couple years ago, you may recall that Bassmaster had their like bracket challenge there for the last couple people into the classic. So that's probably my favorite body of water in, uh, in Minnesota. I think <clears throat> nationally, and I, cause I think about this, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be stuck in Minnesota, uh, <laughs> 
I want to fish year round, right? So let's let's move south. It would be someplace that has to have two or three or all three species. Um, Gunnersville was pretty cool. Um, that's hard to say. Yeah, I would say maybe like Gunnersville or like Table Rock, something that has all three species. You can do a little bit of everything, a lot of variety, um, so something huh. like that. All right, I like that. Now, if you had, I guess to say a favorite, a favorite bait. I won't, I won't make you say one bait to use for the rest of your life, but a, a favorite bait where if you wanted to have the most fun out in the water, what, what would be the bait you're throwing? Yeah, for me, uh, probably a jig, uh, a skirted flipping jig. Um, I actually am, <laughs> I guess it's a little bit biased, but I'm a co-owner uh, of Bass Tech Tungsten Jigs. And so um, that's kind of a passion of mine. So yeah, I would probably be a three-eighths or a half ounce, uh, a flipping jig. Probably uh, uh, Oki Cross, probably my favorite color. It's kind of a, a blend between black and blue and green pumpkin. So I feel like no matter where I am, uh, that those two colors blended together give you a, a really nice option that's going to get bit. Uh, and I'm probably going to tip that with like a speed crow or a menace scrub. Uh, if, if I want to move a lot of water, maybe like a spicy beaver or something like that. Okay. And that's something that you can you can flip it, you can drag it deep, you can swim it. Uh, I think you can cover any water column you want with a jig. It may not always be the absolute best tool, but you can cover a lot of water with it and fish all the water columns effectively enough to know whether you're around the fish, and then you can make adjustments from there. So, uh, yeah, I, there's always a jig on the deck of my boat for sure. Okay, I like that. I'm a big jig guy. I, I personally, jerk bait's my favorite. You don't sure. hear about that too too often, but. All right, something about when you you know you're snapping that and you you get the rod almost out of your hand, but I I do love it, a good flipping bite. It is a fun bite, although I had a lot of fun. I have a when I was down at uh, Gunnersville, we went to Logan Martin and we caught a bunch of like Coosa River spots, and they weren't big ones on a jerk bait down there, but it was a lot of fun because like you like jerk jerk. And like a normal like largemouth pre-spawn, like you kind of like it gets heavier, you feel a little tick, and you kind of pull into them. But like those kusas, you'd be like this, this, and then your rod would go back the other way. They would just like <laughs> it was it was a really cool bite. Um, so that was fun, but it's just yeah, it, it's exhausting. It's too much work. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely it definitely hurts the wrist. That's, that's I have a huge back a box of jerk baits that doesn't get used nearly enough. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, my, my box of jerk baits has, has dwindled this past year. I've lost way too many. Because uh, being from, I, I know you could relate to from being in, from Minnesota, uh, that Northern Pike have a thing for jerk baits. Whole box of jigs. <laughs> there you go. Keep them handy. That's why we're in the boat, because we can have props if we want. There you go. Yeah, you can showcase some of the goods. So, let's see it. There's a nice jig tipped with a spicy beaver. Okay. There's that oaky craw with yeah. a uh, tramp stamp beaver, which is basically oaky craw. So, <clears throat> I think because I put out a question on, I, I posted a video about black and blue versus green pumpkin. You had commented how oaky is your favorite, just because it kind of gives off both. Yeah. Yeah. Can't so, go wrong. No, you can't. <laughs> universal in that fact so it's, it's kind of nice um so this question is easily my favorite one and i mention it in every podcast um if you could go take three people to dinner any three people on the entire planet current or past who would it be sure well i think i'm gonna stick to anglers just to keep it fishing focused um i think greg hackney Okay. He's a guy that just seems pretty cool, down to earth, outdoorsy guy. I think we could really gel on this like jig fishing subject. Um, I've always admired him as an angler. I think he'd be super cool, fun to fish with. Um, John Cox, I love to fish shallow. I have three hummingbirds on my boat. They're mostly for show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so to think that there is a way that you could win the FLW Angler of the Year and not have sonar or side scan on your boat, it sounds awesome to me. So I'd love to be able to fish with him and or, or just eat dinner with him and pick his brain and, and maybe just absorb some of that mojo. 
Um, yeah, there's there's a ton, right? I could name like 20, but I'll say that guy that kind of appeals to me uh, is MDJ, Mark Daniels Jr. He just seems like super gem. He, he catches them, don't get me wrong, but a super right. genuine right. good dude. Like, you never hear about people like talking behind him or you, know, you don't hear rumors about him. It seems like when you see him in his videos or you see him around, it seems like everybody genuinely likes him. And that just seems like a cool dude to have dinner with. Yeah, somebody good-hearted and just down to earth. Yeah, just pause, like that positive energy. Yeah, I like that. That's a good three. That's a power three right there. Especially uh, John Cox winning, winning the Forcewood Cup with a frog. Yeah, and then <laughs> like if we're just gonna go on fishing, like now, I would say Wheeler. Like, okay, he just he, you know, like he, if it's just on fishing ability and like uh, he, yeah, he seems like he's got the most going on out of any angler right now. So. Definitely. Yeah, he seems to just to crush him wherever he goes. So. And it didn't seem to, you know, switching styles to MLF, he didn't miss a beat. Like. No, no, it seems like, every, yeah, it seems like every tournament he was up there with the top guys, at least until the final day. So, that's a good one. So now, last question, uh, another good one, because everyone's answer is completely different. Your favorite fishing memory. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so when I was a kid, I used to throw a weed walker. I don't even know what that is. It's like a moss boss, but it had a little propeller, like, okay. that went inside of it. It's like a, a buzz bait stuck inside of a, a moss boss. And I was helping my dad practice for some club tournament in Minnesota, Wisconsin, back in the day. And I used to throw that all the time. It, you know, I was a kid. It didn't matter if it was bright sun, no wind. And, I mean, like, I was just chucking that like i just want to see it's almost like a whopper popper today right <laughs> and i and i hung this thing in a tree and it like fell down in the water and i went to lift it and this bass tried to come up and get it like five or six times and i just have this vivid memory even though when i was like five or six he was just like boosh, 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 and, it, and he never did get it but i was just like Ugh. and i just like i was glued to that thing i couldn't stop throwing it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's like uh it reminds me of like sea world of having like the dolphins and everything just yeah <laughs> that's funny it was nutty like i mean who remembers something from when you're five but i can see it like it was yesterday <clears throat> that's awesome so now when you're going around the lake you're casting into trees on purpose right doing the old the old tree I probably did that day i wouldn't surprise me like dad is like probably like oh my he's probably wanted to wring my neck like it's like okay you're probably not gonna have another four pounder try to jump out of the water and eat that thing you should probably stop casting into the trees but <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh, do you do you? Because you mentioned that, but do you follow Bama Bass on on YouTube? Uh, I've seen some of it. I don't know that I follow it a ton. He, don't they have like some really amazing frog videos, right? Yeah, and one of his videos, I kid you not, every cast he does, there's this big pine tree in the middle of a, a lake that he fishes. He casts into the tree on purpose to make a video where he hangs the frog from a limb, and he puts on like eighty to hundred pound braid. So when the fish come up and take it, he just yanks them out of the tree. Nice. And it, it's wild because it works on multiple occasions, like back-to-back casts. It's 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 crazy. It, after this, I'll have to send you the link to it. But it's sure. It, it, apparently, it's like an actual technique where guys will use it. it, it probably not on purpose, as, as he did. But, right. but if it's you're in the situation, you might give it a little dangle, you know. But, but uh yeah, that's pretty good. I I would have paid to see that for sure. I hope we should get that. I remember fishing a, a club tournament on uh, like out of Prairie du Chien or, or Lansing down the Mississippi River in Iowa, and the water had dropped where there was this backwater, but there was a riprap bank, and you could see there was shad and fish back there. But I had I didn't know the river well enough. I had no idea how to like get around back there. So I just like parallel parked the bass boat so it was literally rubbing on the rocks this was like before power poles and like talons so i had to like just let the current kind of like snug me up and then like and i just started flipping over this thing that was about the width of my boat and just started like heaving bass over this riprap wall every time they'd bite (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) that's cool well that's all the questions I really have for you, but I'll give you some time if you if you want to bring up any other topics or you have questions for me or anything, or if not, it's been it's been good talking to you. Yeah, I should probably. I mean, yeah, um, yeah, it's been fun. Um, yeah, just check out uh, everything you need to know about me. Uh, 
at Hellabass. Um, come check it out. Uh, if you're interested in uh, Tungsten Jigs, Bass Tech, tungstenjigs.com. Uh, it's a good jig. Get you bit. You feel a ton more than you can with a lead jig. Uh, smaller profile. So Awesome. Yeah, and, and everything uh, to your social media links for Hellabass will be linked down below. And uh, we'll get, your, get you featured up on the page. And I'm looking forward to hopefully see some, some more viewers come towards your, your YouTube and watch that grow and hopefully see your success this upcoming spring and all of your tournaments and your endeavors. Uh, and I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to, uh, to talk to me. Uh, I know we were, we were trying to talk yesterday and unfortunately I was a dummy and forgot my laptop, but uh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate you taking the time tonight to, to take a while to talk about fishing and your, your story. So it's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, not be strangers and, uh, We'll do it again sometime down the road and uh, we'll, we'll get an update and maybe touch bass on, you know, where bass has gone or talk about, you know, maybe some of our tournament uh, woes or successes maybe the, this summer. And, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's stay in touch and we'll, we'll send a few more viewers your way and uh, help you grow your platform as well. Heck yeah, I, I plan on having, uh, not too soon, but once it starts to ramp up a little bit, start having some new podcasts with a panel. So I get a couple guys on to talk at the same time about a certain topic. Sure, uh, and, and your your name's definitely one that I would like in that that panel. So we'll we'll be in touch for sure, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your night. All right, we'll tie it lines, everybody. All right, sounds good. Have a good night, sir. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>